Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, back with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. For our 12th episode of this season, I want to talk about anxiety. And if the very word anxiety makes you nervous, yep, that's me too. Anxiety, as if there is anyone left on the planet who doesn't know what it is, it's the feeling of worry or nervousness or unease that we feel when we think about certain things, or if we are in certain situations. This worry or fear usually comes up in everyday situations and has a host of physical symptoms such as a pounding heart, quick breathing, or sweats. I am definitely a sweater when I get nervous. Back when I was still teaching, and if you didn't know, I was a professor at a few different colleges and universities. I taught a lot of different writing courses over the span of about 10 years or so. And it didn't matter how familiar I was with the subject matter, I would still get really nervous and anxious when I had to stand up in front of a class of new people and teach them something. I would put these panty liners, like absorbent pads, in the armpits of my shirts just to make sure that I would not have these huge pit stains by the end of the class. Of course, I found other ways to embarrass myself, like spilling coffee all over my clothes or all over the desk on more than a few occasions, but I survived. And this form of anxiety is social anxiety, which is anxiety that you get when you're around other people or you're in social situations. Because I have social anxiety, I act like a complete freak around strangers. And I'm not even talking about casual, low-key anxiety that might crop up when you tell the popcorn person at the theater, oh yeah, you too, when they tell you to enjoy your movie. I'm talking about complete and total shutdowns where I can't move or speak to someone, or if I do speak, I make really weird jokes that no one understands and my face turns all red, or sometimes I physically run away from someone after speaking to them, (laughs) like I take off at full speed. Once I had to give my neighbor some of his mail, for example, and he's a very nice nice guy. Sometimes he snow blows my driveway in winter. So, I mean, it's not like I've never seen him or I don't know who he is. But when I had to go over to his house and hand him this piece of wayward mail, I ran away like he had produced an axe or something after giving him this envelope. Like he's saying thank you and I'm like fleeing down his driveway. It was really, really bizarre. (laughs) Actually, just thinking about all of this stuff is sort of triggering me, so this episode was a terrible idea, and I might regret it, but I did have a reason for wanting to talk about anxiety. Particularly, I wanted to talk about why anxiety might come up even though things are starting to go really well in your life. Maybe you're going along and you're making changes for yourself, you're practicing a lot of self-care, you're starting to see progress and you're feeling steadier in your body and in your head, and then all of a sudden, boom, anxiety. And you think, what the hell just happened? I'm doing everything right. Why is this coming up? Why do I feel this way? Where did I go wrong? Because so often when we feel anxiety, we feel like something is wrong, like we're doing 
something bad. At least that's definitely how I felt because no one ever told me that you can actually feel triggered by peace. Peace. Healthy, long, sought-after peace. That thing that, you know, I always wanted and I worked so hard to get was actually giving me anxiety. And I just wish someone would have told me that it's possible for happiness to completely freak you out. Because I definitely didn't know this for a long time. So when my life started turning around after I had kicked my eating disorder, I had put some distance between me and my parents and all of their issues, I got out of my unhealthy, codependent romantic relationship, I was making new friends, everything was improving, and I didn't understand why all of a sudden I was experiencing this crippling anxiety. And it was so bad that I would spend whole days kind of in a heap on the couch, or I would indulge in like a 12-hour Sims marathon. Point is, is that when I started getting triggered, it wasn't clear to me why I was getting triggered, why I was feeling overwhelmed, why all this fear and anxiety was coming up for me. And I misread these feelings as a sign that something was wrong, that I had made a mistake. I thought things like, clearly I'm not doing as well as I thought I was. Oh my gosh, I'm still a mess. This is bad. Maybe I'm not ready for change. Maybe I can never change. Maybe I'm not even strong enough for this. Which is really just a bunch of different ways of saying I am the problem. And telling myself that something was wrong and that I was a problem was just feeding the anxiety and making it worse and worse. But in fact, apparently, when things in your life start going really well and you're finally starting to get what you want, panic is a common response. And the depth and extent of this panic might be exhibited in direct proportion to the difficulties that you had before things started going well. So if your life was really hard before, hello, major panic. So if you came from a background like mine, for example, where maybe someone was always unpredictable in their behaviors, because if you remember, my mom was perfectly fine one minute, but then she would be throwing fists, or one day she would be sober and we're just hanging out and everything's okay, and the next day she's arrested for a DUI and disappears for four months. So if you've had this repeated exposure to chaos like I had, when things start going really well, when things start being really peaceful, it can be pretty terrifying because you're expecting the next bad thing to happen. Because usually any kind of period of peace is interrupted by something terrible. And you don't even have to have an unpredictable history like me. You could have just had one really bad experience where something caught you off guard, like a loved one dying unexpectedly, which is pretty traumatic. And an experience like that can leave you with just as much fear. And in either case, it just leaves you with this belief that if I don't pay attention, if I don't keep aware of my situation, something awful is going to happen. The second I relax, that's it. The bottom of the boat is going to melt away and I'm just going to tumble into the shark-infested water. And this kind of thinking is problematic because it's hard to enjoy your awesome new life that you've been working hard for, a life that you deserve to enjoy if you can't relax into it. So just keep in mind that if everything appears to be falling into place for you, everything's going really well, but for some reason your mind and your emotions just isn't having it, your choices, your life might not be the problem. It's very possible that you're not doing anything wrong. It could just be that you're worried that something is going to come along and ruin everything and drag you back to that horrible dark place where you were at before, because hypervigilance is what we develop in traumatic situations in order to keep ourselves safe. There's also the other possibility that you might actually be self-sabotaging yourself because peace isn't comfortable for you. It's too new. 
And I definitely did some of this in the beginning. I would be like, things are going too well. I don't like it. I don't know about this. Let me just go start something with someone. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. I'd, I would actually do that. So like I would start a fight with a friend or I would set myself up for disappointment just so I could get rejected or I would have a certain level of drama or insanity in my life, a level that I was comfortable with that I was used to because peace is scary. Happiness is scary, especially if you don't have a lot of experience with it. It's totally new and you don't know what you're supposed to do and you don't know what happens next. And so I had to work twice as hard just to get used to this feeling of happy as I did to get out of toxicity. But how did I learn how to relax? How did I start to get more comfortable with peace? And how do I continue to work with my anxiety now when things come up? Well, first of all, I treat my anxiety very respectfully. I try to keep in mind even when it's choking me out and I feel like I can't breathe and I'm just in a little ball of nerves because that's my go-to expression of anxiety, by the way. I call it the lump of overwhelm. I often assume the lump of overwhelm position when I'm rolling in the deep, but before I end up in this lump of overwhelm position, I usually have some hint that the anxiety is coming. I've done enough yoga and breath work at this point that I can start to feel and notice the tension in my body pretty early in the process. For me, there's a heaviness in my upper arms, kind of like the front part of my biceps, sort of towards my chest. Sometimes my stomach will ache or I'll get a sudden desperate urge to go to the bathroom repeatedly. I also get this sort of humming buzz in my head that makes it really hard to concentrate and think. Or my thoughts will start racing, they'll start speeding up. And I already mentioned the sweating, so no need to revisit that. But anxiety for me is usually generated by something that I'm thinking. So if I can catch it early enough, I can start trying to work with my thoughts. I can introduce some positive self-talk. I could use my affirmations. Or I can try to distract myself from thinking by playing some music that shifts my mood or watching a movie that'll shift my mood. I do not get on social media because that usually only increases my anxiety. I don't find that when I'm dealing with anxiety, it's helpful to turn my focus on the awesomeness of other people's lives. Um, that just seems to compound my feelings, so I don't do that. But I might do some yoga and breathing, and I do recommend yoga in general for people who have anxiety. It's really, really helpful to train yourself to recognize tension and emotional changes in your body pretty early so that you can catch them sooner before they get out of control. Because most things are workable if you can catch them when they're small enough, right? It's usually when we build them up or they become really strong or they feel really powerful that it gets really hard to wrangle those emotions and, and, and kind of soothe them. But let's say I don't catch it when it's small. Let's say it gets really big. I'm totally overwhelmed by the feeling. My thoughts are just crazy. They're all over the place. They're really negative or hurtful. And this happens, you know, no shame. Maybe I was distracted or I didn't have a chance to stop what I was doing and do some yoga. Or maybe I didn't catch the thought cycle early enough because, you know, sometimes it's really subtle or sometimes we're just really attached to what we're thinking. And so we build it up. We add energy and thoughts to it and... We run these worst case scenarios in our minds. So whatever the reason, the anxiety has spiked, it's running high, but I've not completely become a lump of overwhelm yet. I'm somewhere in between. So in that situation, I have a couple of games that I like to play. One of the games is the anxiety and excitement are the same thing game. What I mean by that is if there's something in particular that I'm freaking out about, Let's say I need to talk to a stranger or I have to go to the doctor. 
It's a situation that generally makes me nervous or anxious, something situational, then I will reframe the situation by saying, I am excited to insert activity. So I am excited to go to the doctor or I am excited to talk to this person. So instead of telling myself, I am freaking out about going to the doctor today, it might really hurt, she's going to tell me I have cancer, I'm going to die, she's going to discover that I have a tumor the size of a baby lamb in my head, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I really freak myself out with these things. I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Or maybe um, I'm really anxious about giving this lecture today, I'm going to look stupid, I'm going to stutter, my face is going to be red, they're going to think I'm an idiot. Instead of building my fears up like that, Instead, I would tell myself, I am so excited to see the doctor today. I want to ask her some questions about fish oil. And that's a stupid example, but just I would give myself a reason to be curious or excited for the experience rather than terrified. When I give myself a reason to be excited, and it doesn't have to be anything awesome. It just has to be something, again, that I'm mildly interested in. Then it shifts my focus. It kind of opens up my mind and changes how I view it. Or if there's absolutely nothing wonderful about the experience, there's no positive way to spin it whatsoever. I could tell myself, I'm really excited to do this because afterwards I'm going to do this. So I'm really excited to go to the doctor because then I can have an extra large bubble tea. You know, have something that you look forward to doing right afterwards. And the reason why this works is because anxiety and excitement feel exactly the same in the body. Your body can't really tell a big difference between when you're super pumped about something, when you really want to do something, and when you're certain that you're about to die. It's only your mind that makes this difference. So if you start flooding your mind with, I'm excited, I'm looking forward to narratives instead, it's like you hijack the ship and your body starts to lose some of its tension, which is making you feel worse because it's like, oh, okay, maybe I want to do this. Maybe the reason why I feel so, you know, jacked up is because I'm really excited. Because the reason why you feel anxious instead of excited is because of the, you know, the stories that you're telling yourself. You're telling yourself this is terrible, something bad is going to happen. But if you tell yourself instead this is good, something interesting or cool might happen, it just shifts the energy for you. But this game really only works if you're in a situation that's causing you anxiety. But sometimes anxiety hits us and nothing has even happened yet. We're just jumping at hypotheticals. In that case, I have a different game that I play. And in fact, it's good to play this game not just when you're anxious, but just regularly so that you can do a bit of mental reprogramming on your brain. The game is very creatively named. I think I know what's going to happen. And no, I know that's a horrible name, but... I never thought I would explain these games to other people. They were just for me, but here I am sharing them. And I think I know what's going to happen works because that's what anxiety is. You think you know what's going to happen and you know it's going to be bad. And if you didn't think it wasn't going to be bad, you wouldn't be anxious. So the great thing about this game is that you can play it anytime, anywhere. And this is what I do. I just try to guess the outcome of anything. If Charlie is getting up from the sofa, I say he's going to go left. And then when he goes right or instead he lays back down, it's like, see, I was wrong. I did not know what was going to happen. Maybe Kim is about to throw her towel into the laundry basket and I say it's going to miss. It's going to hit the floor. But then it doesn't. It goes in. And I can say, look, I was wrong. I did not know what was going to happen. I could flip a coin and I can say it's going to be tails and then it's heads. And again, I can be like, see, I did not know what was going to happen. Because statistically, you'll be wrong at least 50% of the time with your guesses. But that's not really the point about whether you're right and wrong. The point is, 
is that you just want to introduce your brain to the possibility that you could be wrong about something, that you don't actually know how something is going to play out. So often my anxiety comes from me believing that I know what's going to happen, and not only do I know what's going to happen, but I know that absolutely 100% it's going to be terrible. It's going to be something bad that happens. And the reason why my brain holds this belief, the reason why it's convinced of this, is because in the past, when things happened, they were bad. They were awful. So I've become conditioned to expect the worst from unknown situations because my unknowns in the past tend to skew toward the negative, tend to skew toward the the dangerous, towards the horrible outcomes. So even now in my life, you know, I pick tails because it seems like the quarter usually lands on tails, but look, it was different this time. And so all of this amounts to me having a chance to be like, I guess I don't know what's going to happen all the time. It's very possible that the surprise will be amazing or wonderful or delightful or joyful or miraculous. And if that's the case, then I don't have anything to worry about. So again, it's just another way to work with your mind, to trick your mind into trying to relax, to open up, to be curious and playful rather than so serious and expectant of the awful things that it's used to happening. It's just a way to shift the energy of your mind and open yourself up to more and more possibilities, to good outcomes as well as bad ones. And realistically, will you always be able to engage in this open-minded, playful flirtation with anxiety rather than succumb to despair? No. And there's no need to strive for perfection. Sometimes the lump of overwhelm, or the burrito of doom, if you prefer, is still going to happen. And when it does, just give yourself a break. In my case, my brain still has a lot of old data in there. A lot of bad, hurtful stuff happened. And I can't always convince myself that I'm living a different life now, full of different people, that I'm a different person. My brain remembers what it remembers, and all it wants to do is keep me safe. That's its job. And it's my job to accept that, that my brain is going to do what it does, rather than add more turmoil to the situation by beating myself up, which is only going to make my anxiety worse. It's not going to calm down or soothe my anxiety in any way if I keep telling myself that this is bad, this is horrible, I'm the problem. So if I can do something to shift my energy, if I can reframe the situation, then I do that. If and when I can't, that is okay too. It was a good day to be a lump anyway, and maybe I'll use the day to break in a new blanket or to scour the chocolate aisle in my messy bun and glasses and sweat-stained t-shirt. It doesn't matter. Sometimes the best way to handle anxiety is to not fight it, so give that a try if nothing else works. You might find that just simply opening yourself up and accepting your anxiety is another way to make it relax. You don't know what's going to happen. All right, that's all I have for you today. I hope that you found something useful in this episode, and I will be back next week to talk about what might happen in our relationships as we continue to grow and make changes in our lives. So until next time. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie.
If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.